stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! And Mexico City E3 goes to Felix Rosenquist. Wait, wait, no, no, I meant Daniel Aft. Yes, I'm completely serious. Daniel Aft has won the Mexico City E3. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> We had an Oscars joke. We're relevant and topical on this show. Welcome back <laughs> to Motorsport 101, episode 125. I like to call it now the afternoon after the night before. <laughs> We're recording two shows in two days. Go us. But um, this is the show where we basically talk about the, the stuff that didn't get in with the IndyCar season preview. So in this edition, we'll be talking about the Mexico City e as well, turns out Daniel Ab gets to repeat the idea of being a first-time Formula E winner. Who do you? Pour one out for Felix, everybody. Um, as well as talking about the Formula One first round of testing at Catalonia, and the well, not so fun story about F1 TV being a thing. Well, if if you're British like me, anyway. Compared to the hostile American takeover of this podcast. It's probably been pretty good for other guys in this call. <laughs> in the meantime, welcome back, Mr. Ryan King. Yep, pulling out that year-old Oscar joke. Shameless. You shameless <laughs> man. <laughs> but we're here for it. Um, representing Nashville, as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Howdy. Um, we have exactly one less Oscar than both Martin Scorsese and Kobe Bryant. Who knew? S- Sigh. <laughs> Need I say more? Sigh. Yeah, if, if Lewis Hamilton doesn't win a Grammy when he retires, like, literally because of his retirement, I'm gonna be disappointed. Yeah, like, he has set a bar that is now gonna be impossible for the F1 world to follow. <laughs> the, the ultimate retirement retirement <laughs> speech. Win a, win a Oscar for it. Like, like, like is, is he already... Have you guys already, like, done a complaint uh, about this supposed uh, composing a new F1 team? Am I really behind? I, I... No, no, we have not done that yet. Nope. And that should probably be a fair time to introduce our fourth guest on the show this week. She's back! It's Hazel Southall, everybody! <laughs> hey! Hola. She's in Mexico literally as she's speaking. She's about to board a plane in about an hour's time. But she's still on the show! Like... We are in a highly productive bunch, and that's really awesome. Um, thanks for joining us, Hazel. Um, it's like, how, how was the EPRI from from over there? Um, it's really great because, uh, unlike most EPRI, where like the media are in a kind of strange marquee, a bit like you're waiting for somebody to get married um, in a champagne-soaked press conference. Uh, but the food's weirder and like there's no free bar. Like uh, we were using the F1 facilities, which meant there was natural light in the media center, uh, and yet none of our skin like sizzled and burnt. So so maybe we're still okay. Sure. But may- maybe the the wholesome nature of Formula E has stopped just turning fully into ghouls. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it was good fun. Uh, it's been very hot, 
Um, it's been uh, weird on some levels. Uh, but yeah, um, as always, pulmonary is, is uh, a good time. More on that in a couple of minutes' time. We'll get the pleasantries out of the way. Places you can find us real quick, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. You can follow us on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow us on our personal handles, you can do so at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at HSouthwellFE. That's exactly how you think it is. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 early access a month gets you into both early versions of this show and to Bike Live, and that, which again returns later this week, our big 2018 MotoGP season preview. It's a very, very good week to be a Patreon backer if I do say so myself. Right, without further ado, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show and let's talk about the Mexico City E-Prix. So, Mexico City Epre, we're back again, and um, King and Audi won the race, but it wasn't the one we were expecting. Kinda, sorta, <laughs> again. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it was. It wasn't the one that started all the way in last place. <laughs> yeah, like more on more on Lucas Degrassi's ridiculously bad luck later. It's become a bit of a running gag this season, unfortunately. Still had a great performance, mind you, but. Uh, yeah, and, and another grid drop for Paul Lucas and a, and a double whammy of having to take a time penalty as well because he wasn't able to serve the full 10 places of his grid penalty. Sad face. But his teammate, Daniel Lapt, stepped up to the plate and delivered his first win in Formula E. Again. Again. <laughs> oh, Daniel Lapt, the only person who can have their first time twice. Yes, yes. Um, did so in dramatic fashion. I mean, it was pretty straightforward after... He, he, was, he, started, he qualified in fifth. It wasn't the best qualifying in the world from Daniel. But um, had a great start, got up into third place. And, um, well, the race was dominated in the... I think he did, didn't he? Oh, uh, no, sorry. Mm, he ended up fifth because Sam was dropped out. He wasn't yeah. in the Super Bowl. Yeah, like uh, after the fifteen oh, reshuffles no, sorry, we had Sam. to the group. Alex. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this was actually great. We spent ages in the media center working out how the fuck uh, Alex Lim was ten. Um, <laughs> he should not have been. He should have been thirteen. But because his penalty, so it was applied in grid order. So his penalty was applied before Sam and then Lucas's. So he was dropped. Upwards by both of them. Well, welcome to the 2017 Formula One grid after another McLaren engine penalty infect- infected weekend. Basically, at this point, um, where basically it's 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 basically like trying to crack the Da Vinci Code, working out who started where. <laughs> Good times, but um, yeah, App started fifth. But I mean, oh, 
Phoenix Rosenquist was looking comfortable up the front, and then next thing you know, his battery suffers issues, and he ended up parking I, it. In the I don't know. So, I so the kind of things you do get from the ground, but not on the broadcast. Mm. Everybody knew Mahindra was in trouble. Really? Uh, yeah, they couldn't keep the battery temperatures on. Um, uh, battery uh, temperature mode management is a really big part of Formula E. Um, obviously, it's a huge amount of uh, electronic control that goes on between things. Most of which is still managed by the drivers. It's not quite the kind of like six thousand people in an office in Bracken right. situation. But um, yeah, uh, for whatever reason, the Hindra could not get a stable situation with their batteries, and for both of the cars that shut down, it was the battery over. Ah, so that's what did it then. So yeah, the, you didn't. We didn't get a lot of that hyped up on the broadcast. Certainly in, in the UK, anyway. There was like I didn't realize there was like a, a sense of presence in the media that uh, this was going to be a, a, a big hurdle for Mahindra to get over this weekend. But uh, we certainly I mean, saw it on honest, TV when it happened. <laughs> It was just because I was like, what the fuck's wrong with these cars? And they were like, it's the batteries. But um... to the... Straight straight to the point, Hazel, as always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can say that kind of thing. Of course you can. Yeah. Off the record, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we all saw it for us. That was about, about just before the first round of stops. And uh, yeah, poor Felix down and out of there, starting from pole position. Another cracking Super Bowl lap from him. And uh, by almost four tenths in the end as well. Only man under one minute and two seconds during that Super Bowl. But uh, uh, a, a, a big DNF from the lead, um, which you know, opened the door for Oliver Turvey until the pit stops came around. Um, and that's pretty pretty much what won up the race, really. Um, he was, I think, one of the well, fastest I mean... pit stops ever. Yes, um, one of the, the most efficient. Um, we should talk about pit stops. Um, sure. pit stop, pit, racing pit stops are a new feature of Formula E. This is the second race we've had them. Um, as in pit stops where the pit stop itself is, is part of the racing, where you're tr- doing it at pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is now the second injury during a pit stop this year. Um, yeah. Andre Lossera ran into his engineer, or sorry, his mechanic. Uh, this time, obviously in Hong Kong, Sam Bird hit a mechanic trying to drive too fast into the garage on dirty um, concrete. Uh, again, here, the track was very dirty, the pit lane was filthy. It's just a fact of if you race in cities, then there's not really anywhere for the air to, uh, or for the dust to go. Like It's contained mm. by buildings. Even if you clean the track, it comes back. Um, you can't blow it off into anywhere. So you will always, this one, you have dirty tracks. This is the but uh, right. on the on the race broadcast, uh, Dario Frankie had made the point about the accident, saying that one of the reasons why they happen is because the teams don't actually practice leaving the pit lane during their practice sessions. Well, during right. their pit stop practices. No, because you're you're not really able to. Um, so, like, you can fully swap cars during a practice session, uh, but, like, well, 
I mean, Formula E practice sessions are not very long, and they're not designed to let you practice this. Um, every single garage is different. These garages are particularly tight, so the F1 pit lane. They're not designed for putting two cars that you jump between into. Um, they're designed for putting one car that will be in there and then any pit stop action takes place outside. There are no timed pit stops of this type that take place inside a garage. Um, or at least I can't find a series where it happens. If somebody can, by all means, correct me, but I, I definitely can't find any top level. Um, and all of the drivers find it very stressful. The teams find it very stressful. Nobody seems to really want it. Everyone agrees it is unsafe. Uh, you know, as Andre said, it is inevitable that somebody is hit because there is nowhere for people to go. And if the driver is told to go, and the mechanic, because the Tachita mechanic thought he was clear, he wasn't. Yeah. But it, but like again, why would why would the series want to make like eliminate the minimum pit stop time? Why would they want to do it, considering that next year's cars? could go the whole distance without a car stop. It's only for the rest of this season. Um, I don't know. I suspect maybe they're experimenting with something possibly for the pit stop format next year. Uh, otherwise, I have no idea. And I can't imagine that it's going to survive next round, to be honest. I think this is this is Formula E having a bit of an, uh, a knockout qualifying moment. Yeah. Next round's going to be Punta del Este in Uruguay. Yeah, next round's going to be Punta del Este. This is probably going to be a huge pivotal moment in the championship with John Eric Verne now leading by 12 points over Felix Rosenquist and now by 20 over Sam Bird. Um, Arguably, pit stops have decided the last two races. Yes. Um, so this one, because Abt was so fast, and the last one because Tachita had the first... And actually, Jeff was way, uh, Jeff and Andre was way out on the But... Um, in theory, could argue it. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that Daniel would have taken Turvey actually because he had so much more useful energy. So I, I, I think it would be a weak argument to say that they've decided the races, but you could. Yeah, I mean, in the second half of that race, he was hunting down Oliver Turvey. He would not be denied that first victory for real this time. We're serious. No disqualifications, <laughs> no sticker discrepancies, no front wing discrepancies. Daniel Apt got the job done. Like it, we, we were all nervous and making jokes about this until Hazel quite politely put in our Discord server. Like, yep, Park Ferme is open. Daniel really has kept it this time. <laughs> like, just to make sure. We were like, yep, he has won. Yay, we could truly celebrate. Arguably one of the true funny men of the, of the, of the Formula E grid and one of the true charismatic dudes in the field finally getting that first w and the guy that's been a real grafter in the series as well um i feel like i'm i'm suffering a bit of deja vu here talking about daniel apt in this way but it you know the, the, i guess that's the nature of a win chalked off the board already but um yeah i mean again, a, a great win for daniel and as mentioned before like the second half of that race he was so fast indeed i mean again he ended up winning that race by 6.3 seconds in the end i know a little bit of that was down to Turvey making a late error and almost letting Buemi in um, for second. But um, 
um, phenomenal pace. I mean, it's it's nice to see that despite Lucas Degrassi's bad luck out uh, for for the majority of the season, that Audi is still really fast. Um, like the pace of that car cannot be denied. Um, just I hope the reliability is still there. Um, and obviously Audi ticks every scrutineering box available. So we're gonna get silly stuff like what happened earlier this season, I suppose. But um, yeah, great to I see. I can tell that. you some really boring things about the reliability if you'd like. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the reasons Lucas's car is so can flaky ass out of the wazoo um, is because he's had a broken inverter. Um, the inverter is just broken. It needs sorting out. Um, you can't uh, really sort it out without full re-homologation, um, which uh, you have to position for it or you have to apply for 30 days in advance, so his car will be sorted for Punta. Um, right. But at the moment, they've got a car that they knew was broken rocking up to this E3, so, and I think they knew in Marrakesh as well. Um, it was just that they couldn't manage to get it uh, re-homologated in time. Right. Well, I mean... Despite that, I think he's, I mean I still voted him for driver of the day. I think he had he did a phenomenal job from the back of the grid to um, clear out a good few guys on the field, take take the five second time penalty he had to serve in the pits, basically repass everybody again, <laughs> and got up to ninth place in the end, and got the fastest lap of the race as well. So, but he got the bonus point as well for fastest lap. Um, yeah, when he's not trying to his hardest to be race car Banksy, Lucas Degrassi is a phenomenal driver. <laughs> race car Banksy is race, race, race car Banksy um, what, what? Um, uh, expectant father leads to grassy um, oh yes is, um, I don't think he actually did a particularly good race uh, this sounds really mean um, but because uh, I spoke to him on Friday and we had a good chat and he was really he's he's not chilling on this he's not okay about how wrong it's going he is really tough um he is very unhappy um uh, in terms of how the season is going um he said that he still thinks that they and i'm not sure if he means they him and daniel or they him i think he means they him uh can still win the most races of any driver of the season which I'm like, well, that's just about mathematically possible, but blimey. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, also, actually, I suppose there's been uh, three different race winners so far, four different race winners. Yeah, yeah he, could still win, he could still win the most races and still lose the championship. Oh, yeah, completely, mm. which would be very Lucas. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think Lucas isn't, isn't chilling about how crap his season is but at the same time uh i don't think he's driving very well and and equally in the post-race press conference and i asked sebastian about this afterwards uh sebastian said of course i'm not in contention for the championship because i'm just not fast enough yeah um uh and i was like well that's a really fucking weird thing to hear said say mm. like he's essentially got the fastest car 
he's undoubtedly one of the fastest drivers. And he was just like, it's not fast enough. Carl's not fast enough. I'm not fast enough. Doing the best with what I've got, but it's just it's just not working. And he did say some of it is the focus for next season. Right. Um, which is a really, like, uh, I kind of wanted to talk about this. Um, and coming soon in a very in-depth article. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is the final year. This is the fourth year of uh, Formula E's first generation. Obviously, today it's been, if people were in Geneva, the opportunity yes. to, mm-hmm. to touch the sex um, uh, the the Generation Two car is launched. Everyone is very aroused, um, and um, the the new era is going to be different. We're losing the car swap. Um, a lot of elements will be different. There's a whole new battery. Uh, there's a whole new uh, chassis. Uh, everything about the way that drivers manage the race. Everything about the way that teams manage the race. Everything about the way that the powertrains work is going to be different. Well, I mean, not everything. I mean, it's still going to be a power. Okay. Oh, yes. Um, is... uh, and there's also changes in terms of... Uh, I got into a really stupid internet argument with somebody earlier because it was 4 a.m. and I was awake with jet lag, um, which I'm really looking forward to jet lagging myself in these six days I'm back in the UK and then we jet lagging myself when I go to Uruguay and then oh, jet lagging myself again. Yikes. Um, I'm... I'm uh, you know, um, ask me on the 21st what time it is, um, and we shall see. Uh, but yes, um, the uh, so somebody was saying that it was weird that Jaguar, when they announced the I-Pace, uh, claimed that there were two motors in the car that are literally the same motor that's used in the Formula E car. Obviously, the motor is an incredibly small part of the powertrain. It's actually one of the less important parts weird way even though it's the thing that actually does the driving uh or that actually creates the, the power um and uh, they were like oh well that's just not possible because a race car park would be so expensive um well actually formula e is cost limited so they don't use unearthly materials like it's not like you know the inverters made of vibranium and whatever um, yes, Alejandro had so, to invade Wakanda for it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Electro Daddy had connections, but... Um, uh, um, yes, so, uh, yeah, Formula E has huge, huge challenges, and actually yeah, the budgetary constraints are going to get tighter next year with the, introducing the Gen 2 car. So, um, without this, uh, the initial spec season to kind of try and get their head around it as well so there's lots and lots of things that are going on um and what what you might expect to see this year in the final stage of, of generation one is that the dominant teams would carry up um that you'd see renault continue to dominate i don't think anyone would have come into this season thinking renault were going to be like torrid midfield um, hoping to score points and hoping to score a podium, but Buemi was like third is or third is good. Third is is where we're at, um, which is kind of the thing that a challenger team like Mahindra might have thought. Last year, obviously, actually Mahindra had to win by this point, um, but like 
Oh no, they didn't actually. No, um, but they were fairly in contention. But th- that's that's kind of where you you would have seen last season Mahindra, um, uh, or maybe even one of the the much lower down teams. And you know, Audi have absolutely dire. Like, I mean, they cannot get it together at all. And instead, you're seeing Jaguar, who, like, this is their second season. The first race of last season, they knew one of their four cars wouldn't start. That's how, like, utterly disorganised they were when they started. Um, because the challenge is just that big. And now they're third in the championship. They're behind Mahindra and Tachita. Tachita are a customer team. Um, like, the, the, the whole grid has shaken itself up in such a bizarre way um the teams that should because fundamentally nothing has particularly changed about the format of the races at least should in theory still be dominant are just falling apart uh despite stable driver lineups which is it something that a lot of the teams um uh lower down identified was one of the things that was really working for Renault and Ab to now Audi uh, is yeah. that they've always had the same two drivers, um, bar a few super soft moments. Um, but uh, the, you know, what we're seeing now is a complete shakeup of the grid. Like, okay, yes, Oliver Turvey went out from the lead last year uh, here in Mexico. Would you have expected Neo to be seriously in contention this year? No. Not necessarily. No, but it was great to see them up at the front, and it was great to see Oliver Turvey finally get that first Formula E podium, especially after what happened last year at Mexico City. Um, for, as one Super GT superstar broke down and exited the lead of the race, another one took his place at the front for a little while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was almost surreal to me that that was Oliver's first podium. I I actually had to check it because I was just like, he can't have never got a podium. That's just not possible. Like, surely he's got one, but then been disqualified or something weird at least. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really good to see that paying off. Although that does raise the the horrible. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Nobody wants to talk about this. I think Luca Felipe is fired. Yikes. I think he might make it to Rome. But I think Luca Felipe is fired. He didn't even come to Media Pen in Mexico. Or at least I couldn't oh, find him if yeah. he did. Um, he is, is Hazel dropping exclusives on this pod? <laughs> oh, please, please uh, don't that, tell. That is an exclusive. Um, uh, but, wow, we're uh, getting the scoops. <laughs> I, I think... Um, so, I mean, there might be lots of reasons he didn't come to media pen. Like, for all I know, he, was, he had food poisoning, I don't know. Um, and he might have been there, and I just didn't see him because there was a real scrum. Uh, and he wasn't particularly a priority to speak to. But, um, yeah, for uh, Jerry Hughes' last race, said, along with Mark Preston, that um, so he said that Luca needed to stop performing. Mark said Andre needed to stop performing. One of them has, and the other hasn't got the results. Um, now, arguably, Andre has a far better car to try and get results in. Uh, Luca has suffered appalling luck 
Um, he has consistently had sessions disrupted. Um, like Mauro Engel, he's just unjustifiably had a load of race ruined, no fault of his own, a lot of collisions, a lot of being turned around. Formula E is really cool in that respect. Because um, you could also say, like, oh, well, look at Mauro Engel, who's technically more experienced compared to Edo. But actually, Mauro's just had a series of really unfortunate incidents, mostly. Um, but, uh, yeah, Luca is just not having a good time. And I think he's going to make it to Rome and not much further. Um, there are so many drivers trying to get into Formula E. Um, I, I wrote an article for drive tribe um last week about this but it's brutal the lack of chance that you're going to be given to prove that you can drive these cars and i uh, i hope i'm wrong but i'm really worried about luca yeah just in case um just in case he needs a backup ma king hua is the team's designated reserve driver according to the noi website oh he, he was in mexico <laughs> It's really fast in the simulator. He's faster than um, he was faster than Jeb in the simulator before last season, and he's faster than um, uh, some of the others. I would guess because um, he's about the same. Tom Blomqvist is also occasionally fast, but he's phenomenally skinny, and I think he needs to just put on a bit of. Uh, sheer force to to wrestle the cars because there's no power steering in Formula Well, as we've heard, well, as we've heard, as we have heard, as, <laughs> oh, we, as, as, as we've heard, uh, Formula E is a uh, very easy, very easy. It's le it's far less physical and it's so much easier to compete. We've learned this past weekend. Well, well, context is important here. It's important to know that these cars have less downforce than a traditional single seater. Oh God! Wait, 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 we, we should just move Which, on. As we know, less downforce makes it way easier to go around a corner. <laughs> yes, especially with no power steering. Um, mm, and, and with a car weighing over eight hundred and eighty kilograms. Right. Which, right. Like, eight hundred and eighty kilograms is like uh, I'm trying to think how many of me that is. So that's basically like picking up ten of me. And dragging, like, if you get, like, ten of me drunk and then try and drag us all round the corner. Um, <laughs> what a visual image that is. <laughs> no, that's, it's more, it's more like twelve of me. It's like if you, if you got, like, handcuffed together, twelve of me, um, and let us get, like, wayward and drunk, then, then try to get us to, that's like dragging a Formula E car around the corner under regenerative braking. Oh Jesus! Oh dear! It's like I'm trying to like, damn. <laughs> that's like that's like like a Cadillac ATS like in a single seater. Mm. That's a that's a terrifying thought. And it's it's all at the back. Like if you ever watch, um, obviously the streets the circuits are incredibly bumpy, and if you watch them um, go over, you quite often see like literally the front kind of get air because the battery is so heavy at the back. Yeah, because like um, I, I've it's seen. It's not to say that Formula One car isn't heavy. Of course it is, and so are all cars. So are GT cars. So are like, you know, stock cars. So are cars to some extent. You know, like anything. Its speed is fast. And yes, you don't pull the high G in Formula E that you do in Formula One. So the strain on your neck is less. Um, 
but the upper body strength is, is brutal. Um, the races are shorter, but you do all of the sessions in one day. So actually, the amount of driving you have to do over the course of the day um, is vast, um, and uh, and you need to be at high performance at all times. There's no off, really. Um, you will get very little rest even during a practice session. Um, so and there's very little gap between any of the sessions. So uh, I. I mean, you know, let's talk about common order. Let's talk about the fact that I, I didn't view common order because I wasn't very interested in her thoughts about the season one show car. She didn't do a test. She did six laps in the season one show car. Yeah, I've been up it, it was it was a demo. It was a demo run. It was not a test. <laughs> the yeah, same yeah, demo no, run like, that Four had, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I've been offered that demo run. Sean O'Kane from. Has done that yeah, like I know a number of, not, a number of journalists who have done it. Thing. Yeah, like it's not it's not a special thing. I know, like I turned it down because I didn't want to trash a car in front of like all the people who are routinely have to I demand you um, do one now. But... I demand it. <laughs> <laughs> I want pictures and everything. I, I would have if it hadn't been in Valencia. Well, no, because it was Valencia, and I just thought I was going to trash it on those trains. And yeah, but anyway, um, because some dude didn't turn up for a run, so uh, they said I have a crack at it. Um, anyway, uh, but yes, it's a tune down, power steered up, so that car does have power steering. Um, show a car. Uh, like it's not the energy management it's not anything and like to her credit she did talk about the fact that there's lots of things to manage in the series but uh, and whoever asked that load of questions um i didn't go and interview her however uh i have to say that my male peers did um and it is my male peers who have published these articles for books, um where they've almost spoken about women as though and and like call out to basically everyone um people who i like and respect and people who are my friends have done this every single article is worded like women are an alien species um and now i'm wasting my time writing some huge scientific rebuttal selena gade um issued a very fierce rebuttal um tatiana caldera now sauber f1 test driver not to yes. drive move forward test um uh said something quite critical i think um uh or at least certainly i can't imagine she's amused by the concept um uh, robin friends uh former teammate of a female formula e driver uh came out with some criticism i think jeb had a go as well um also former teammate of Simona. um and um like, I mean, it's just nobody wants this yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's, it's, it's exactly mean, what a petrol head driven idiot who wants to degrade both Formula E and women wants somebody to say. Yeah, I mean, like, and what's a great PR move? Yeah, like, what's the point of having well, a go at Carbon Jordan? It only benefits Carbon Jordan. It's, low, it's it's a low-hanging fruit I didn't even bother attempting to get into on Twitter because I was just sitting there going, guys, you're just going to give her exactly what you want if you keep putting articles of her name out there. That's why I was... I, I, I didn't even really want to get into this, to be honest with you, because it's just... I'm just... Oh, sorry. Up. 
I'm like feeding the hype machine at this point, and I really don't want to do that. I feel like it's a waste of time. But I'm pulling a spade a spade here. It's like we like Carmen Jordan is only looking out for Carmen Jordan here. She's not really right. looking out for other women in motorsport. And hey, like as an evergreen tweet that Will Buxton put out a couple of days ago, it's like hey. It's got us all talking again, and I'm like, guys, we, we, we're taking the we're taking the bait on this every fucking time it happens. Now I'm tired of it. Yeah, it's 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 not gonna help anyone if the only time we ever discuss women in motorsport is when Carmen Jordan is mentioned, because it's never going to be in a positive light. Yeah, it's the same quote shit every time. It's like Carmen Jordan says idiot. Like every woman in motorsport that is that is worth a damn chips in and says how wrong she is. All the journalists go out and write quotes about said quotes and produce articles and get more clicks. Repeat apt nauseum until something else happens again and the cycle repeats itself. It's really irritating. People, cut it out already. Either this. And it, and it makes and it makes the whole situation look ridiculous to outsiders when everyone is criticizing what seems to be the most important woman in motorsport. Like, because that's what it looks like from the outside. Yeah, and people that are that lack nuance and aren't educated enough to really get into it as a series are going to say, "Oh, look, Carmen's Jordan. She's really important. She must have been a great driver, or something along those lines." And then they get the wrong end of the stick when they realize, "Oh, her racing career has been terrible." Um, da, 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 I if, guess all women are yeah, terrible. But... <laughs> yes, exactly. People but... will jump to that conclusion. <laughs> I mean, like, not to be funny, but you're all the dudes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, as a thing that, and I've spent a lot of this weekend like really wrestling with imposter syndrome, um, really struggling with kind of like feeling a little bit like I was shut up the boys' club, and like, uh, and like, you know, I'm in fucking Mexico covering a race. Like, I, uh, I this really is my job, um, and. There is something so grim about watching. Like, I can't leave it alone. I don't have a choice to leave it alone. I don't have a choice to not comment on this. Yeah. Um, that's not something I can sit down and do. Um, because if I don't comment on it, then I accept it. Um, and because, like, you know, what I would like is for dudes to stop publishing this is an interesting thing i would like dudes to stop um uh taking this seriously and i would like uh to see more diverse coverage of the huge numbers of women in my school do things i'd like to see more women commission obviously partly because i'm one of them but like um you know i i just there are huge numbers of women with expert opinions in most sport, none of which would come out like that. I'd also like to see dudes ask less leading questions. Yes, okay, Carmen fell into a question trap, sure. Um, you know, she was asked if this car was better to drive for women. Who the yeah. fuck asked that? It wasn't a woman, yeah. I guarantee you. Uh, and it's, mm, it's just so frustrating. It is on so many different levels. This <laughs> is so frustrating. This is my time to jump in and just remind you, Hazel, you are um, doing fantastic work. I, I, I also, I've just realized I need to go on board a plane. Uh, oh my um, goodness. Yeah, uh, we are. So, oh, quick long. wrap up of um, Mexico. Uh, I think that this race has been as crazy as 
ugly as ever. The way that it's been weird, that it has, um, it's not by unlikely performances, um, but by uh, really how utterly snow globe grey frost uh, up the this year that there are drivers putting in incredible individual performances but very few teams are really managing that um, and even the ones that are like Mahindra have bad days Tashita didn't have a great week and then you see somebody like Jaguar who traditionally have never really managed to get even a balance between qualifying and race let alone both of their drivers took home their biggest points so Formula E continues to surprise, it continues to be weird, and uh, I think bring on Punter and my inevitable. I, I mean, you know, if you get me to record something after Punter, then like um, Hazel Detlag wash should be a thing. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me, dudes. And I'm going to go and get on a flight to Toronto, the obvious place to go on route to home. Um, and uh, I will speak to you all soon. All righty, Hazel, thanks for joining us. Have a safe journey no back problem. home. And uh, try not to have the jet lag destroy you on the way back. Have a good one. All right. Love you guys. Bye. 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 That is Hazel Southwell of Crash.net and other wonderful publications Reporting us live from Mexico City on route to Toronto, en route back to the United Kingdom. Have a safe trip back. Um, from what I saw, the highlights, Mexico City was good. Yeah, it was. It was a good race to watch. Series, the future of the series, it, it seems interesting. I, it, the new Gen Two car that was launched, it looks excellent. It looks better than the computer renders that we saw earlier. Just seeing it, it in like cameras, like it just looks so great. I don't know how I feel about Nissan's new colors for the upcoming season. Yeah, it's... I I hope that they make some touches before they before the team actually you know runs it. Venturi's looks like something out of the film Speed Racer. <laughs> hey, don't criticize that movie. That is a great movie. That's My... that's our, that's one of our greatest uh, cinema institutions. Yes, that's <laughs> that, no joke. That, that is. I kid you not. That is the Wachowskis' best film. Don't at me. Brummer Ryan loves that movie, so I can't say I'm totally surprised at that prognostication. But yeah, hey, yeah, we'll, it's we'll, it's we'll better. It's better than all three Matrix movies. Yikes, I mean, we're, really? we, we don't we don't we don't tell jokes. We only state facts on the Motorsport 101 podcast. In what universe is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you don't know, the car has been officially unveiled at the Geneva Motor Show, show as mentioned earlier by Hazel. Uh, it ha- the car will have a top speed of 280 kilometers an hour, which in old money is 174.9 miles an hour. Cool. Oh, It'll go 0 to 100 kilometers in 2.8 seconds. It is much faster it is it is much faster than the current generation car, man. Oh man, it is probably going to be a handful. It is going to be a handful. I can't wait for this hot mess to get here later this year. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> um, it it sounds all sorts of fun. It looks fantastic in in, in person. 
Um, I didn't even get to see it until um, I saw a friend of the show, Katie, stick it on Instagram as part of the Geneva Motor Show. So thanks, Katie. Appreciate you doing the Lord's work for me um, on, on that one. Uh, <laughs> but um, quick run now of the, of the results from uh, Mexico City in case, in case you weren't with us on this one. Daniel Apps winning by 6.3 seconds in the end ahead of Oliver Turvey in second. Narrowly beating Sebastian Buemi over the line in third. He's just about cracked a smile at that third place result in the end. A very, a very small one, apparently. Um, Nelson Piquet in fourth, due just followed along, didn't quite make the best of his usable energy to get, on, get onto the podium positions in the end. But hey, as mentioned, with him and his teammate Rick Mitch Evans in sixth, Jaguar are now third in the championship. Who would have guessed that a year ago? Um, that's awesome for them. John Eric Verne for T Cheetah, sticking it up there again in fifth place. Mitch Evans in sixth. Shame that, that uh, our boy DaCosta fell down to seventh there after a fantastic qualifying effort. He qualified originally in second. Um, had to start, for, I think, from fourth in the end after the Super Bowl result was scratched off the board for an underweight car. God damn it, Andretti. <laughs> um, um, our boy Motara in eighth there. Lucas Degrassi in ninth of the fastest lap of the race as well, so he gets the bonus point in ninth. And Alex Lynn rounding off the points in 10th. A quick shout-out to Jerome D'Ambrosio for driving for that really struggling Dragon team as well. He was just outside in 11th place as well. Just the three DNFs on that one. Nicholas Prost, as you mentioned, Felix earlier, and uh, Nick Heinfeld as well also failed to finish. But, uh, a double DNF for Mahindra. Not the, not the nicest uh, result in the world for him. Looking at the championship standings real quick. Uh, in the drivers, we have John Eric Verne still on top by 12 points ahead of Felix Rosenquist in second. Um, Sam Bird in third on 61 points, despite the donut he produced this weekend, sadly. Buemi up to fourth now on 52 points, uh, with Nelson Piquet in fifth on 45. In the team standings, Tuchita still leads by nine points of 99 over Mahindra in second. Um, on 90. Jaguar closing them in a little bit now, though. Um, they're taking 10 points out of the gap. It's, they're on 74 um, points now ahead of DS Virgin and Renault Edams now. Virgin with fourth with 70 points and Renault Edams with 59. Should we talk about some Formula 1, fellas? Yeah, oh. although I should, um, we should point out we have breaking news dropping in. Of course, our friend Christopher Hard, who was on our IndyCar season previews at this event, Tom Jones Racing. Announcing their first entry into the Indianapolis 500 with Connor Daly with the United States Air Force as a sponsor. Of course, of course. The most American car possible is the one that Connor Daly gets to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, and this is in a partnership with Dale Coyne Racing. Dale Coyne Racing with Tom Burns Racing and the U.S. Air Force at the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. I can just smell the American apple pie in the background as we talk about this as we speak. It's just so, it's so US of A right here. Um, or, or as uh, King, t- tell him the joke. Go on. You know you want to. Oh, God. Because on big, bold letters in the side of the car, it says USAF, you know, United States Air Force. But it should be more like US as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> King in the sin bin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, jeez. Like, King is turning into a real pun enforcer on this on this, on this show, unfortunately. But look, we, we never actually got to talk about it in detail. Uh, with the, the launch of the car, a lot of teams unveiled their liveries, including for the first time the Nissan Formula E car, Nissan being, replacing Renault next year. Who's excited for that pro for that project? Nissan back in top line international motorsports. 
even though it's like it, it's all but confirmed that Buemi and Prost will be their drivers in the first season who do you think would eventually down the line maybe replace the Nico Prost or Sebastian Buemi at Nissan um, I have to say Jan Martinborough should be at the top of the list he has single seater experience he's tested Formula E cars I believe I, I believe he did one of those uh, virtual races during the first couple of seasons yeah he did oh, yeah. And, he, and he's Nissan and Nismo's golden child Yes, the golden child. That's not a bad shout at all. Um, um, let's have a look here. But yeah, I'm, I'm only just seeing this Nissan livery for the first time myself. This is a live reaction, and ooh, yeah, I'm not sure about the colours on that. Yeah, it's um, it's very corporate. That is yeah. very corporate black and silver there. <laughs> Speaking of very corporate and bland and overused colours, Toyota revealed the new Supra. The racing version of it. Well, the racing concept version. Oh, of, damn. It's only a concept. <laughs> it's only a concept. It's built to GTE specifications, and it will be in Gran Turismo Sport in an upcoming update, but it I has knew no it. plans. <laughs> as, as soon as you said concept, I was like, that's going to be in GT Sport next month, isn't it? And there it is. <laughs> oh, it, it's like, oh, God. It, it's, it's just nice seeing a Super again, even if I think it's a bit ugly. Um, I don't know what's going on with its teeth at the front there. They're very big. Um, not the biggest fan of that, but look at the size of that diffuser on the back. Good lord! Um, you, you could you could park my ass on that. My god, that is <laughs> that is huge. Um, like, like I'm about two hazels. Okay, so like just to put it into perspective, when it came to about you know drunk downforce and corners. Um, about one and a half hazel. So that's um, that is an enormous diffuser. It's bigger than my future. Um, it, it's, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. nice to see a super back. That's always that's always fun. Yeah, McLaren also has a uh, a GT racing concept, the Senna GTR. That yes, uh, that car. That I have I have feelings and not good feelings about that car. <laughs> it is still ugly as sin. <laughs> It's ugly as sin, and it's not going to race. Goodness, right, that at... diffuser! Goodness, what? that's that's just that's just one of those things you clip onto like a beard trimmer. Yeah, it, it makes it makes the new it makes next year's Formula E diffuser look tame. Like that is like a diffuser on steroids. It's the Bradley Wiggins of diffusers. My God, um, <laughs> that thing is huge. Um, like. Am I right in saying that Senna GTR is like it just doesn't fit like the regulations for any major racing series right now, and it's never no, going to actually race anyway? It is a track special. Um, the inside line going into this was that we were believing to believe that this was going to be the launch of McLaren's GTE program because we are coming up on the 25th anniversary of their Le Mans victory in '95. Um, it may still happen, but it's not going to be with this car. Yeah, and that's like could be the only saving grace for that car because that's the only way how you can make it like an ugly car attractive if it wins <laughs> that is true they're saying more than 825 horsepower and more than 2,000 pounds almost a metric ton of downforce um generating off that enormous like diffuser that basically you could build a house on um, that is that is quite a stunning thing, right there, isn't it? My God. Um, so yeah, you probably you'll probably see it on Top Gear next year. <laughs> um, 
knowing you'll be part of McLaren's driver program or some sort, like Ferrari do with their FXXK. Um, that should be fun. Uh, I think now we can talk about Formula One. Yeah, because we have, we have a lot to get to that's not test-related. We do, we do. So, uh, let's get into the test. And, well, the first one at Catalina was... Let's be honest, it was kind of a wash, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Figuratively like, and literally. It's like, <laughs> we, we know how the rain in Spain falls, but how does the snow fall? Um, apparently directly on circuit, unfortunately. <laughs> um, turns out that, yeah, the first test was es- essentially a, a write-off. Um, track was ridiculously cold pretty much the entire test, like apparently as low as zero degrees in some cases. That, that's Celsius, thankfully, not Fahrenheit. Um... <laughs> We don't talk American on this show, despite the fact we have two of them on here on a regular basis. It's still my show, damn it! We talk, we, we talk, we talk, we talk Europe on here. Um, but uh, whoa, whoa! You live in Britain? That, that's questionable. <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> I, I didn't agree to this. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like a, a ridiculously cold track, rain affected, snow affected. Which uh, led to, I must admit, I, I rag on them a lot, but Sky Sports F1's sense of humor regarding uh, Mercedes Snowman was kind of hilarious. Like, props to Craig Slater for making all the jokes about Mercedes building a snowman on track during the test and then teasing the fact it had melted in the back. But then they found it later in the day <laughs> in a cooling tank, and everybody was happy. Like, Sky Sports News got a real kick out of it for the whole day, which I thought was funny. Um,. But sadly, not much of a relevant test in terms of actual numbers and figures. Um, yes, Botas led the first day, Vettel led the second, Hamilton led the fourth and final day after the test of the snow. But all that matters is that McLaren and Fernando Alonso topped the third session. Woo! Yeah! Nando's back! Yep! With the 206. With <laughs> oh. the 206. I think Fernando could cycle around that about the same speed. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone get someone get his esports team out there. I might be able to crack the car a bit quicker than that around there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we we had all the jokes from, from from McLaren being on top because let's be honest, they've not had the best time of testing so far. It's been one of probably the, one of the biggest takeaways from this. Fast forward in a little bit here to day two of the second test, which, which happened today as we're recording this on March sixth. Two breakdowns for Stoffel Van Dorn on the day. Um, and a quite thing to go into our man Luke Smith. Um, they're actually done less laps of testing this year than they did this time last year. With oh. apparently a, a better power unit in the back. Um, apparently. Like, a, like, apparently. <laughs> that, so, keep that in mind for later. Yes, like, I, yes the stat that, is, if McLaren does not get back out on track today, the team will be just 10 bats, laps better off this year than they were this time last year. 298 laps versus 288 laps. Um, I told you so. It's, like, I think Luke also said, like, one of the journalists in the media room who came out and said, so at what point does it become a crisis? It's, um, it's been a crisis. It's like... Because the funny thing is that Sky Sports F1 literally just tweeted out an article saying the headline of "There is absolutely no drama," says Eric Boulier. Uh, Translation: <laughs> sure? There is a lot of drama. <laughs> They're a little was... faster. They're a little faster than they were, admittedly, but they have to be looking at 
what the uh, the reliability that Toro Rosso was getting out of their Honda engines, and they got to think. Uh, maybe they don't regret breaking up because it had gotten so bad, but they are going to regret letting it get as bad as it did between McLaren and Honda in the first place to begin with. Yeah, and like, also, rumor is that they're not, Honda didn't bring Toro a power unit that they're going to use this year. They brought them last a modified version of last year's power unit, which makes it even worse because that's the same power unit McLaren was using last year. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't even realize. That. I think Cam like half said it to me on during our uh, hangout on last Saturday. But if they're using the 2017 Honda McLaren, look like cheap at the moment. That is not a good look. Um, oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem here. Um, <laughs> um, what can you say about McLaren that hasn't already been said yet at this point? It's like. At what point do we say, you know, maybe it was the team and not the power unit they were running? Because this is the guys that were making all that noise saying that, hey, if we had a power unit, we have like Red Bull's level of aero. And I'm like, you sure about that, fellas? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you really sure about that? Because um, it's, like it's anything... been over five years since they've won a race. <laughs> yeah, it's like anything less than top six finishes for McLaren this year. And this is a bust. And um, does it look like they're going to be anywhere near that this year? This it is not an ideal like... start. It's not an ideal start. Um, no. As, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they turned around because, again, by the end of last season, McLaren had actually turned around to where they were genuinely, solidly in the midfield. They were, yeah, um, absolutely. They were in the points on a pretty much regular basis towards the end of the year. In the top eight, I would say. But um, it's not good. Also, I'm very impressed at you two. None of you have actually tried to convince me that Ferrari are contender yet. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Because like... I don't believe it either. Say what? I, I, don't, I don't believe... <laughs> for, for, like, Ferrari are fast, but they have not shown anything that they are... You know, with, under... all the mile, with all the mileage that their engine has gotten and, and Vettel leading two out of five days of testing, you, you don't see it being any different than last year. Uh... I don't think the the margin like the margin is big enough. They, it isn't like un, they're not undisputedly faster than McLaren. I mean, than Mercedes. Wow, they are undisputedly McLaren. faster. Whoa, what, what year is this? Nineteen ninety nine. Oh my god, <laughs> King with the V ten throwback. It's Eddie Irvine's year, folks. But yeah, the, I don't think the margin's big enough to say that they're undisputedly faster than Mercedes. Wow. I'm at peace with this. It's like, it's like I, I, I'm polishing my bronze medal. We're ready for Seb at the end of the year. It's it's going well. We're going to plan. We're locking down that second in the constructors. It's looking solid. Oh, you don't you don't think Seb's going to be able to get second in the drivers? He'd have to be spectacular to get second. Like for all the shit we gave Val, he still scored over 300 points last year. And I think Seb would probably with 21 races, he'd probably need something like 320, 330. To get to, to have a realistic chance at second, that's a big ask, um, and I, I'm not sure Ferrari's going to win five times again next year. Like that's that's a biggie, especially with Red Bull breathing down their necks. I think because I think Red Bull are right on par with with I think where Ferrari are at the moment. It's when the thing about Red Bull is they get better as the season goes on. Like they are definitely faster on the back end than they are at the front of the season. Um, they get better as the year goes on. Um, so, I'm not convinced on this yet. 
everyone that's tried to tweet me about this, trying to convince me to get on the hype train, it's not going to happen, people. I am off the narcotic, okay? Get it out of your heads. This is not going to happen. I am not getting on this again. I will happily accept my third place. If we get the four wins, I'll be happy. I, I will take it. Accept your new silver overlord, okay? I want to pivot like, to one other thing here as well as we're wrapping pivot. up this testing discussion. Um, fourth place. That seems to be the most interesting battle. Um, mm. Who looks like they're ahead of the uh, the quote-unquote the LMP2 category? The best of the rest behind Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. I've been impressed by Nico Hulkenberg so far. Yeah, that, that Renault is looking... Pretty good. Pretty the good. Renault's look, the Renault's looking mean. Um, it's looking pretty, um, it's, it's, pretty good. It's, yeah, it's kicking out here, smugly smiling, knowing <laughs> that, hey, a Hulkenberg signs-led Renault team that might actually be good this year could be very fun indeed. Um, As they should have been because it's year three of the project and they're a factory team. Yep. But yeah, this is this is kind of where they should be now by year three, and it's all going to plan so far by the Hulkenberg was lapping in the 120s around there in, in dry conditions during the first test. Um, that Renault looked quick. Um, I, I did like because I, I said to Hazel um, last week on the Hangout when the first test was happening. I said it's actually going pretty much by the form book so far, outside of maybe Toro Rosso's reliability and I think Renault being a little bit higher than I thought they were going to be. Besides that, I think it's been pretty samey compared to last year. Um, you know, the top three look clearly a head and shoulders above the rest. The battle for fourth could actually be a bit more interesting with Renault. Looks like they're in the mix now with, with Force India and Williams. Who well, well, Force India, there. that's that's team to be named. <laughs> oh, sorry, team 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 Force or should it be yeah. Team TBA basically? But it's not going to be team. It's not going to be Team Force. It's not going to have anything with Force in the name of it because they tried to do that last year and uh, everybody just squatted all the domains apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, we're taking all the website names here, bro. Sorry about that. I want yeah, eighty thousand dollars. You you want to so, be you want to be Team Force? You got to pay us all the money. <laughs> so are we still optim? So I'm still optimistic about the team, formerly known as Jordan, formerly known as Midland, formerly known as MF1, formerly known as Spiker, um, based in Northamptonshire, which is right outside of Silverstone Circuit. They still have Sergio Perez and Esteban Ocon, and they still have an. Ex- a, a, a car that looks like a drumstick lollipop, um, and that's not a bad thing. I love yeah. I love a good drumstick. The, um, my my fear is that they won't be able to keep up with the pace of development because besides changing the team name, they're also looking for a new owner. Oh yeah, that that could be a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, and their their biggest threat could be a full on French factory team. That that could be a problem. It's not like you're competing against Williams, who have been penny pinching for the last two years. They're competing against a full blooded factory team now. Um, and hey, like, like McLaren will get better as the year goes on. I'm dead certain on that too. I mean, I mean, again, they're 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 the butt of everybody's jokes right now, but they will improve. They always do um, towards the end of the season. So, like. I don't think Force India is going to be the lock-on fourth-place team they were last year, where they, they could have finished fourth with, with basically one car. Think of the money you could have saved Force India. But um, <laughs> but um, I think besides that, I think it's been pretty by the form book, really. I mean, so, like Salba near the back end. 
Um, Renault probably a little bit higher up than I would have thought. Toro Rosso a little bit higher up than I would have thought because of their surprisingly you know reliable all of a sudden 2017 engine. Um, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see when they, once they start the 2018 engine in there. We'll see what really happens. But for now, a promising start from those guys. Um, but yeah, more on the test probably on next week's show, depending on how test number two goes down and anything funny yeah, happens or McLaren has some, more breakdowns. Yeah, and <laughs> I have some Formula One in Australia news. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. more scoops on this episode of Motorsports 101. Scoops. Well, it seems like our our you know buddies over at Australian Supercars are kind of quite happy that they have a relationship with Formula One where they can run a championship round as a support race to the Australian Grand Prix. And they are looking to expand this to other Formula One races in the Asia-Pacific region with an eye at specifically aimed towards having an Australian Supercars race support the Singapore Grand Prix. Oh my god! If it's, if it's under the lights, sign me the F up! Wow, now that could be fun. Yes. Um, I'm here for that. I I am I I am here for a, for an Aussie V8 race at Singapore. That would be pretty lit. Yeah, like, they don't want it to be like a short term venture because they don't they they want a long term contract because they're afraid that they won't be able to renew a short term contract. What happened like when they tried to expand to Malaysia or the Circuit of the Americas, where it kind of it was one off deal and it kind of just fell apart after that. They want a long term deal with Formula One. The first one that they aim for is Singapore. Hopefully, they want other races in the Asia Pacific market. Maybe they say maybe Shanghai would be also on the table. They they're not really looking at Japan. Hmm. Singapore could work. That could definitely work. Yeah, they've done races they, in Abu they, Dhabi they race well on street courses anyway. Yeah. Suzuka would be very interesting because it doesn't seem like the track that would suit a V eight supercar. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which just adds to the challenge. <laughs> I mean that makes it more fun, RJ. <laughs> but uh, God, I, I, I sign me up for Singapore. That would be great. Um, like all these, all those fans of the show that keep begging me to watch Aussie supercars. This might be your chance, people. Yeah, if, if it became, it would. I'm pretty sure it would help both series if supercars supported Formula One because it would. There would be a decent crossover of, fa- of fans to go to the other side. I would, I would, and I'm I'm Mr. Supercar hard like hard nosed, not really and wanting to expand my motorsport game fan here, so that probably says quite a lot right there. Tatiana Calderon, as we'd mentioned, has a new test driver role with Sauber F1 team, South Bermeo's official test driver, and the timing of the announcement, as we talked about <laughs> earlier, could not have been any better. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's that sweet, delicious irony right there. Yeah. Um, congrats to Tatiana. That's a really cool gig for her. I've already been told that she's going to get like drives in a in a old spec Sauber already to test out as well. So it's not just going to be her in a simulator mm, all day. I, I would like to see her in a current car because remember yeah. the last time we had a female driver at Sauber drive a former car. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Different set of circumstances. I'm hoping we will see Tatiana Calderon do some FP1s. We also had some Formula 2 testing at Le Castellet, or Paul Ricard, France. 
Lando Norris was fastest. Stop me if you've heard this before. Lando <laughs> Norris is very good. <laughs> he led both the morning session with a 156 in the wet and then the dry session with a 143 in the dry in the afternoon. Spoiler alert, Lando Norris is fast as hell. Um, we'll, probably, we'll probably be saying that a lot over the course of the rest of this calendar year. Um, yeah, I did see that. I was like, yeah, Lando Norris is... Um, is good at the race cars again like you're all shocked listening to this as we speak yeah Uh, like it's it's certainly shaping up to be a year where carlin despite sitting a year out come back to the series quick as ever oh boy it it helps when you've got a super prospect in your car that's for sure and (laughs) let's let's just say because of you know the the restricted driver selection at Primo, we're going to have a really close championship fight in, in Formula 2 this year. Oh, goodness, that's right. Yeah, you've got you've got Norris in contention. You have uh, Nick DeVries, who is still going to be a very solid leader of that uh, Prima team. You have George mm-hmm. Russell at ART. Um, His teammate Jack. <laughs> yeah, Jack Aiken at, H- at ART. You have DeVries in the Prima. It is... Mm, and I'm really also silently impressed by how Sergio Sete camera is coming along in the second year in yes. these cars. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Look to look out for that. We'll keep our eyes peeled as the season gets underway next weekend. Uh, I don't know this weekend. I think it's actually the um, weekend after, actually. My bad. Yes. Um, I think it starts over Bahrain, doesn't it? Yeah, my, my, my apologies. My bad. I'm King. A bit, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit rusty. King, it's time. It's it time is. to go over the top. <laughs> as someone as a certain person likes to say on another streaming service are you ready oh god uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna meet my microphone for the next half hour catch, catch you later gentlemen um <laughs> whoa whoa it's not all good news dre so you can you can stick around to you know throw some shots in oh oh, oh really like, it, it, <laughs> Uh, okay, let me let me let me put my seatbelt on here in this racing chair of mine. Like, May I do please, the honors of reading the press release? Yes. Formula One announced on March the first that they are going to launch Formula One TV, a live Grand Prix subscription service. F1 TV is Formula One's over-the-top platform and marks F1's biggest advancement in its digital transformation to date. Formula One fans will get commercial-free live streams of each race with multi-language commentary. In addition, the service will provide exclusive access to all 20 driver onboard cameras throughout every race session. F1 TV Pro will have unique feeds not available on any other platform with the capability of multi-level personalization. Subscribers will be able to choose the content they view, how, and when they access this. All of practice, all of qualifying, and every race will be offered live along with press conferences and pre- and post-race interviews. <laughs> Subscriber will be able to watch live races of the main support series, Why? the FIA Formula 2 Championship GP3 Series, and Porsche Super Cup, among others. During the season, F1 TV will be made available in four different languages, English, French, German, and Spanish, and will appear in nearly two dozen markets at launch, including Germany, France, the United States, Mexico, Belgium, Austria, Hungary, and much of Latin America, as well as Azerbaijan. Access will be initially available through desktop and web, with mobile apps and TV apps being phased in on Amazon, Apple, and Android, enabling users to watch on a range of different devices at no additional cost. Pricing for F1 TV Pro will be offered on a monthly basis of USD 8 to 12, so that's 8 to 12 US dollars, and annual rates will be priced according to market. 
Glorious. <laughs> Glorious. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. That um, malaise you hear from from Dre is because of the fact that because Sky Sports and Formula One are locked into an exclusive television deal through the end of the 2021 season, the United Kingdom, F1's biggest market, and they will be very proud to tell you that they are you, F1's biggest market, um, they're not getting F1 TV. Not not in its direct, unfiltered form. Apparently, uh, Sky is kind of entertained with FOM offering F1 TV in the UK via Sky Sports. So you'd need to get a Sky Sports package to get F1 TV. Exactly. Like, like it's, it's no coincidence that our streaming provider, Now TV, which is basically Sky Sports in a nutshell, basically no one else buys it for anything else. No one buys Now TV for the movies. But um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Sky also owns Now TV. Yeah, exactly. So like, like that's their streaming service. And for people that haven't got smart TVs, if you haven't, what what's stopping you? It's 2018, for God's sake. But um, anyway, as I was saying... But those guys that are on now TV, they had a deal the other day where you could basically get Sky Sports for the rest of the year for 150 quid straight up, which is basically, do the math, Dre, real quick, about £10 a month. Like Apparently it's over 50% off. So Sky are immediately trying to counter-program by saying, yeah, hey, we'll give you Sky Sports like for the rest of the year at like half price if you pay it up front, basically. So... No. Yeah, this is probably one of the unintended positives of there being an official F1 broadcast from them themselves, where it it creates competition in broadcasting, where everyone else has to improve their service to compete with F1 TV if they are competing with F1 TV in any way, shape, or form. So like, 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 so like the French and the Germans and like ESPN, which is basically just going to be copying Sky Sports' broadcast anyway. (laughs) But with awkwardly placed commercial breaks in between, because we know we're not going to get commercial-free broadcasts of Formula One. Are you kidding us? Are you kidding? Like, because F1 TV exists, ESPN can be like, yeah, we don't have commercials anywhere. We don't have to try. Yeah. We don't have to put Stephen A. Smith in to hype the pre-race show with Will Butston. Sigh. Double sigh. But another thing I'm excited about is that it's not, they haven't made it 100% clear how it'll be formatted, but there will be historical content provided on F1 TV. I don't know if, whether it's the entire archives <laughs> and full race and, and full race coverage of every single race, but it's, it's something. It's, it's, it's something to, you know, you know, wet your lips with, with anticipation for. Yeah, and for those wondering, Formula One's uh, video library, the official video library, dates all the way back to 1981. Yes, so they have every race broadcast from the 1981 season until present available in their archives. Don't know if they'll make it all available at once, because I'm pretty sure we'll get to talking about comparing it to other streaming services in a bit, but other services did not offer their entire archive at once even though they had much more content than Formula One has. Oh, excuse me when I get, like, three ounces of bourbon and add it to my Snapple. Um, <laughs> just, 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 oh. This, this, this pains me, because I've been, like, I've made mention of this for years on and off this show, talking about how they could use their archival footage 
in some sort of on-demand service. And here we are. In 2018, it has finally fucking happened. (laughs) And of course, when it happens, the UK can't get it because of fucking Sky. Of course. I mean... I knew this was going to happen. You can get it, but only through Sky. (laughs) And they're not the only major market that shut out. I believe Australia's off the list. Brazil is off the list. Japan was off the list of initial markets that would have to be Funnily enough most but not all of italy is off the list if you look at the official release you can see in the s category they have south tyrol which is a province a german-speaking province of italy in the north of the country that has access to sky tv but somehow in the rest of the country they're not going to be able to purchase i mean f1 tv there's going to be a flock of immigrants to that province in the next, <laughs> in the next month um <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Um, you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about what this could do for the Feeder Series Championships because here, here's some, here's a reliable streaming service that's going to put the Formula 2 and the GP3 drivers out in front of everybody's eyeballs. Yes, all the, all the support races will be on F1 TV. If they could put the Support Series archives on F1 TV, that'd be great because, you know, uh, I'd like to see some of those entertaining gp2 races that are not available anywhere literally anywhere it's a very good point there's a very very good point and Uh, i think this is a time where we should start our comparisons because one of the hmm. features that i love most about the wwe network which is the streaming service for world wrestling entertainment is that anytime you have like a new like note when a new superstar returns or like I would say, like, well, when Kurt Angle came back to World Wrestling Entertainment, you know, he spent, you know, about a decade away. Maybe a lot of people haven't seen his content. They made uh, basically a playlist of network content of all of Kurt Angle's best matches from the late 90s and early 2000s. They could just go in, they play like, you know, a brief highlight reel of all the promos and build up to a match, then play the match. And the next video is the same thing for a different match. And oh my god, if they could do that for the GP2 stars, or maybe Kimi Raikkonen when he was relevant. <laughs> like, Whoa! <laughs> Shots fired, bruh! Hey, it's true, it's been a while since he's actually contended for a world championship. This is true. This is true. <laughs> you know, if they could curate historical content and even curate historical feeder series content to make people care about, you know, the younger drivers and make clue in new fans and why people care about the, the veterans in the series, it could actually help Formula One. Absolutely. Whew. How many people how many people do you think that would get on board for this first thing? Oh dear. Ooh, let's let's get into that. Well, apparently Formula One themselves believe that they're that the audience that they're aiming for is five million people. What they believe is one percent of their customer base. Five million. How does that compare to other sports streaming services within their first year? Like, let's say WWE Network or UFC Fight Pass. Well, WWE Network, which launched in 2014, I believe. Yeah. In their first year, they did not break one million people. They actually, they are still didn't break two million people after, you know, 
nearly four years out. And Flight Pass, after one year in, they did not break half a million people. So, again, UFC Fight Pass being the most recent example, they broadcast uh, all the UFC pay-per-views. I would say Fight Pass is a better example than the WWE Network. The WWE Network, still, the weekly WWE programming is still free on television. Right. While, mm-hmm. while the UFC, they less freak, like they don't put their big main event matches on their free shows, which are not weekly either. They're maybe once, uh, like once a month or once every other month. Yeah. So it's more akin to Fight Pass, and there's also less original content on Fight Pass. So it's a WWE TV would be more similar to UFC Fight Pass. Yeah, like, 5 million sounded ambitious, like, even before um, you mentioned the the other numbers to put it into context, really. Um, And this is 5 million without their largest market. Yeah, without the UK, which you mentioned, like, basically the UK covers covers 10% of their audience. Um, That seems ambitious, to say the least. Um... And there are also other key, like, markets that make the numbers seem bigger than, like, that makes that that 500 million audience base seem larger than it appears. Uh, It's also not available in the People's Republic of China. So just put it... Oh! And, you know, RJ mentions it's not available in Brazil either, or most of Italy. So it's going to be a hard... It's going to be a reach to get to 5 million. And one thing that also affects China's numbers is that they're still one of the few countries that has their uh, has their F one races on free air television. Yeah, in the most populous country in the world. <laughs> yeah, that that's a problem. Oh, uh, so five million is going to be. I think one million is going to be a reach. Yeah, I think like, they can get to one million when you if you only consider like U.S., France, Germany. Um, just those places alone could push them over the top of one million. They're not getting a five. They're not getting no a chance. Five. No chance. And oh, like, I don't think it'll cause any other particular like big issues. But they're gonna besides the races, having the races live, ad free is fantastic. But Absolutely. as the WWE also learned very quickly, having stuff for free. It does. It's not going to draw a, a wide, as wide of a net as you think you're going to get. Where the WWE pretty much immediately realized we're going to have to produce original content if we want to entice customers to, to sign up for this. Yeah. Especially in a more on-demand, heavy market now, where people aren't watching programming live anymore. They're they're sitting on it. They'll watch it when it's more convenient. I don't even watch Top Gear live anymore. <laughs> And that's my favorite TV program. Right. <laughs> but, so, so, surprisingly enough, when the WWE considered making original content, they decided that their mindset was, we're going to do something that is wrestling-related but completely different than what we normally do. Where it didn't end up on the WWE Network, but the first thing that they wanted to have as original content exclusive to the WWE Network was the reality TV show, Total Divas. Yeah, it turned out all right, didn't it? 
Yeah. Eventually, they <laughs> they ended up selling the TV show to E, where it it is surprisingly popular. It is the second most popular television program on E, only second to Keeping Up with the Kardashians. What? <laughs> I, I like I know like my 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 mum watches that show. Like Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't realize it was that popular. Maybe my mum watching a bunch of pro wrestlers basically live their normal lives as normal as they can be is actually more popular than I thought. Yeah. But like, I still follow a lot of wrestling fans on Twitter, and that does get talked and brought up a lot. So I guess that makes actually makes a lot of sense now I think about it. <laughs> so so, uh, so Dre, it's like, is your mom a wrestling fan? <laughs> no, no, she's not. <laughs> so literally, she like. There could have been a world where your mom was enticed enough to sign up for the WWE Network without being a wrestling fan. Could F1 do that with F1 TV? If, they, produ- you, uh, if they produce the right original content. Yeah. Uh, are they going to put Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, and, and Valtteri Bottas in a, in a giant house for 10 weeks a year and just see what happens? <laughs> the, the, the real world Finland edition? Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, that Daniel Ricardo Felipe Massa sitcom gonna be fantastic and then half Felipe's and then there's the other direction where you could take it I don't believe that it's currently on fight pass but uh actually it is on fight pass the the ultimate fighter for the UFC which is Mm. is it's another direction to take original content where if you haven't heard of the ultimate fighter it's basically how do I describe the ultimate fighter to someone who knows nothing about the UFC it's a, it's a it's a it's a reality it's a, contest show. Yes, you the you have like and at some out of aspiring MMA fighters fighting for a UFC contract. At the end of each season, the winner gets a guaranteed six figure deal. Um, it basically saved the company. Yes, it did. The, the very first series when uh, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin had their legendary fight. Um, and it got famous when somebody wants jizzed in somebody's sushi. It's a great show. Um, I, I, I highly recommend it. Oh, some of the older series. I've still got some of them on DVD. It was, it was, it was a fun time. So even I watched was guilty of the reality TV bugs sometimes. Okay, so here's the... Um, yeah, the current status of The Ultimate Fighter is that, yeah, originally ran in Spike TV. That's probably when it, the show was most popular. Now, after being on Fox Sports 1 for, uh, for a couple of years, it is exclusively available on UFC Fight Pass. Yikes. So, I mean, I think the Ultimate Fighter format would work well for Formula 1, especially considering what we talked about earlier with the feeder series being on there, where you could have, you know, a reality TV show with what next year is going to be Formula 3 and the Formula 2 drivers. That could work. That could definitely work. And though we could also, you know, make a little nod at Amazon's original series, the Grand Prix Driver, where where they followed McLaren during their testing last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's great drama. <laughs> so, guys, you, I'm guessing you guys are both getting this at launch, right? Yes. Yes, I'm getting this at launch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. I don't care how buggy it is. I'm getting it at once. Oh, yeah, I still hate WWE Network's video player. But, yeah, F1 TV, definitely getting it at launch. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, jeez. I, I can't stand you people. <laughs> hey, Dre, you can always get F1 TV, but you'll have to sell your soul to Sky. <laughs> that might be a fate worse than death, quite frankly. Um, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Like, luckily, I've got Sky Sports for the rest of the year anyway, because I was able to get it half price on a, on a deal, because, you know, once you threaten to quit half a dozen times, it actually come up with a decent deal to keep you on board. Oh, um, and I cable and, cable and satellite television has a very healthy and sustainable business model, folks. And I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet, but providing the English language commentary on F1 TV will be Sky TV's uh, Sky Sports duo of David Croft and Martin Brundle. It's the, it's the darts guy and the father of the LMP2 driver. <laughs> yes. It is. Uh, I mean, for... for to start out, it's not that bad. Like, please don't make this a per like a permanent thing. Like five years down the road, I don't want Sky Sports commentary team to also be F1 TV's commentary team. Oh days. <laughs> Which may be why they're grooming one William Butston for the role because it's it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent confirmed he's going to be involved with F1 TV in some capacity. Yeah. Like he's but, basically teasing his own Facebook appearances, so you know. Yeah, besides his most recent stint as you know NBC's pit reporter for like longest time for a decade, he was GP2's commentator from their inaugural season. Yep. For, for ten years, he was their commentator, so he he's familiar with FOM. They know him. I'm pretty sure they would like his commentary services sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Still, could be worse. It could be the season finale of The Bachelor. Though, there's, like, one weird side story that people just can't, like, let go, where, uh, like, F like FOM announced that they're gonna get, uh, who are they gonna get to, to compose the, the music for FOM Oh my TV? god, I don't know, but he did the work on the Fast and the Furious soundtrack, and they're gonna compose an, an original theme song for Formula One. I think it, I think he's he's done work with Marvel before as well. Yes, he's he's a he's a Disney he's a Walt Disney Company employee. <laughs> Let's just oh wow well, you know the apple never falls far from the tree. Yes, it's <laughs> Brian Tyler, an Emmy nominated American who's made music for Avengers: Age of Ultron, Iron Man three, Thor: The Dark World, as well as the Fast and Furious franchise, and also wrote theme music for ESPN's NFL shows. So he's he's familiar with. Uh, you know, sports music, I would say, I'd say I really enjoy the, the music that they, that the NFL uses in-house and that ESPN uses for their programming. Uh, not a big fan of NBC's, well, NBC's opening theme, the, the interlude music that they use for, like, Sunday Night Football is fantastic. Yes, it is. Definitely. <laughs> uh, jeez. Um... Yeah, that that could be fun. Even though it just got a bunch of old heads going, the chains, the real theme. You know that, like guys, it's publicly available on the internet. Like you don't have to worry here. We all know what the real theme is. It, it's it's okay. Uh, I mean, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> they're they're not gonna they're not gonna use the chain. It kind of like it. It wouldn't seem like a liberty thing to do. 
Uh, yeah, like that just seems very old to me, to be honest. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm like, fine. Like, new ownership syndrome. You want your own stamp on the place? Yeah, don't have your own thing. Makes well, sense. Well, again, it's, it's a very specific reference to the British fan base who, <laughs> for the most part, won't have access to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us, King. That's that, that's 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 really nice of you. Because <laughs> growing um, growing up, the chain was not my theme song. <laughs> hashtag yeah, has, not hashtag my theme song. Not your James theme Allen, song. James Allen was not my uh, was not my my lap my lap announcer. Yes, <laughs> he was he was for me, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> oh God! Anything else you guys want to get off your chest before we get out of dodge? Uh, quick sweep up oh, one story, which will probably have some people saying that the FIA stands for Ferrari International Assistance again. Uh, former F1, uh, Ferrari F1, you know, design chief. Oh my God, Nicholas Zambasis is going to be. Uh, he's taking up a role at the FIA where he will basically be the head of long-term technical strategy for all FIA single-seater series from Formula 1 to Formula 3, where he'll determine how all how the FIA as a whole will take the future of technical and sporting regulations for single-seater racing. As I've mm-hmm. mentioned before, Ferrari can have the FIA literally reg the races in their favor for all 20 rounds, and they could still maybe only win two out of 20. Indeed. Though it should be also be noted that his last role in F1 was being chief aerodynamicist at Manor. He also spent time at McLaren, so he's worked pretty much for everyone. He's, he's moving up in the world. Yes. He knows what it's like to work for struggling British backmarkers and for Manor as well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so I guys want to go for chest? No, <laughs> good. Yeah, I think that's everything. That's yeah. a wrap, folks. That is a wrap. Let's get out of here. We've done god like nearly <laughs> four hours worth of audio in the last two days. Cheers, Lewis. Um, <laughs> in advance, I owe you another non-alcoholic beverage. Hey, um, he, he's got he's got time to put this out. He does. He does. Even though we're probably recording the Bike Live 2018 MotoGP season preview on Thursday. So that, that, that should be fun um, and stressful. Like, who the hell do we think is going to win the title there? That, I can't wait for that, by the way. I'm very excited to talk about MotoGP again. My God, it's back in two weeks' time. I need bikes again. Um, <clears throat> anyway, that'll be that later this week as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. In the meantime, places you can find us real quick one more time. YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. At Twitter, at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles. At Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks. At RJ O'Connell, at Harrison 101 HD, and at H Southwell FE for Hazel, who was on earlier. Massive thanks to her as always. Um, and of course, if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to both this show and the aforementioned Bike Live Moto GP season preview, which will be out probably before the weekend. Um, so keep half an eye on that one as well. We'll be back next week with our Formula One season preview. That's right, no more fortnightly breaks. 
we're back into the thick of things now. Gonna good lord help us all. <laughs> but um, until then, we will crown Lewis Hamilton's fifth title on episode 126. Until then, thank you very much for listening. I've been Andre Harrison, they've been Ryan King and Ardeo O'Connell, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. So, did anyone actually see the end, the end of the, the end of the Bachelor? Uh, no. Oh God. No. Just... I, I did see the end of the Stadium Super Trucks race, though. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, I th- I do think that is Ari Junior's best uh, contribution to mo- to uh, to media this year. Yeah, probably.